Turn to Matthew 7 as we're preparing to open his word. I'll say a few things before we read Matthew 7, 7 through 11. My, my question is for us, is ha, has there been a time in your life when you've questioned the goodness of God? We're just saying he's given us power, a hope in a future, favor and gladness in every good thing. Those are things that are sometimes easier to say than other times. Sometimes, sometimes we're tempted to wonder about the goodness of God. Maybe feels like his plans aren't exactly taking into consideration certain things that, that you're aware of that don't seem to be circumstantially addressed by the Lord in terms of health and vitality and prosperity. Perhaps, perhaps you felt forgotten by God. Maybe it feels like there's some divine conspiracy against you where things should be working out, but they're just not. Is God thwarting me? You know, there, there are times specifically when it comes to waiting on the Lord for a long time. Some of the folks that we were praying for earlier tie into this where there, there's just unanswered prayers. How, how can God not want to save somebody? How, how, how can God not understand what we're feeling, desires, which I feel like he's put on my heart to pray for? This is in accordance with the will of the Lord. Maybe you're tempted, as, as I am at times, to become angry at God and to question his goodness and take subtle jabs at the Lord for how he allows events to unfold. It can be little things. It can be big things that cause us to question the goodness of God. People suffering, losing jobs, friend, family members wandering away from Christ. I'm, I'm reading from my notes, not aware of who we were going to be praying for. You know, when our preaching team met this week and discussed um, uh, this topic or discussed this message, um, I realized I, I had a freebie. We're, we're not in a series, and so I was given the opportunity to kind of pick something to, that wasn't in a series. And, and what I'm going to share, I, I was revisiting some, some notes and, uh, from a previous message, and it kind of inspired... Uh, me to share some things which I believe are on the heart of God for us related to a, a couple passages that have been alive in me um, recently. So I'm going to read Matthew 7, 7 through 11, and in a few minutes we'll jump to Luke 18, but we're going to read the word of the Lord. Jesus says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened to you. I added the word door there. It's not an ESV. It will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? I know this is a familiar passage 
I, let, let's not let the familiarity of it rob us of the impact of what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. He's presenting this amazing picture of the grace and goodness of God. And it has some very specific application for us about what, what the grace and goodness of God, what, what the power of God in the gospel should produce as we respond to our lives as they unfold. I was looking over my notes when I spoke on this passage back in 2015. I was impacted as it portrayed the benevolence of God and how we should pursue the benevolence of God in prayer. And uh, it follows the the golden rule about not judging others and treating others as you would be treated. We we treat each other in accordance with how we've uh, been treated. And this is all true and and still still true. The, The meaning of Scripture never changes. Something different struck me as I read it this time. What struck me as I read this verse was how how capable God is at taking care of his family. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? If we can have an expectation, which I think is a legitimate expectation, that even evil people will stick up for their families. Even the worst among us will be there and do what's right for those who are theirs. How much more can we have that expectation of God to care for his children? And so we should pursue God. We should lean in on God. This is the portrait that is being painted of that God wants us to see himself as a father who will stop at nothing to care for those who are his. He will have our back. He will take care of our children. If even the worst people in the world who do nothing else right, the worst criminals and and drug lords will still care for those who are theirs We can have this expectation of God, our heavenly father, to take care of us. Jesus is teaching and illustrating that that God's disposition is one of supreme loyalty and jealousy for those that are his. He's protective. He's the protective parent. And his disposition is to bless us. What, What a scandal it would be if the heavenly father, the sinless, perfect one, failed in his expectation to, to care for those who were his own children. Do something that we would not even expect the most sinful of us to, to fail in. And so if this is true of God, if this is the portrait of God that's being portrayed by Jesus, speaking of his father, what, what does that mean? What, what does that mean for us? Our, our inclination should be to ask him for things to pursue him, to do what he's already said he's inclined to do. Jesus says in verse 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened for you. In in the Greek language, it, it puts these definitive statements in a slightly different order. You could read it, Every asking one receives. Every seeking one finds. To every knocking one, the door is opened. So that's who we should be. We should be 
asking ones. We should be seeking ones. We should be knocking ones because if God is so jealously eager to protect us and and bless those he calls his own, and if he reveals himself in this way, he does it so that we will be those who are asking. Asking ones are receiving ones. So we should be asking ones. Seeking ones are finding ones. So we should be seeking ones. Knocking ones are those to whom the door is open. So that's how we should be. Jesus is making some categorical promises that those who present their requests to the Lord receive blessings from the Lord. And his intention is to inspire a lot of requests to be made to the Lord. That's, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to inspire confidence, inspire us to present these requests to the Lord. How, how do you not take the Lord up on this offer? Jesus is portraying the Father as, some, as not as somebody who needs to think about it. That's not the portrayal of, of the Father. You know, sometimes when I read this passage, I begin to question the wisdom of God to be setting these kind of expectations. Lord, if you're setting these expectations, people, people are going to start asking you for things and, and you're going to have to start answering them. And it's the, the, that's the point. <laughs> that is, in fact, what Jesus is trying to, that's the right conclusion. You know, several times this week, I, I have postured, recent weeks, I, I have postured myself as a father with my kids as um, the father who needs to think about it <laughs> when requests have been made. Hey, let, me, let me think about it. And, you know, I, I think my kids have learned that when dad says, let me think about it, what he really means is let, let me figure out how to say no to this. And, 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 and the fact that I can't say no right away and have to say, let me think about it is because I don't have it all thought out as to why I have to say no yet. I'm just putting it off so that I can figure out a reason why I have to say no. And then, of course, there's that dreaded moment for me when the kid comes back and asks me again, have, have you thought about it? And if I don't have a good reason to say no then, a lot of times I say yes just because I haven't thought of a good reason to say no, and they have been rewarded for their persistence. This is not the heart of the Lord. If, if I was advising the Lord, I may caution him against portraying himself the way that Jesus is portraying himself here because it seems like there's going to be an expectation from this that we can just go to the Lord with pretty much everything and we can just ask him for things and he'll be inclined to, to answer us. And yet that is exactly what Jesus is saying here. This is how he presents himself. Could it be that us constantly going to him is actually what he's after? Could it be that that's what he's trying to get us to do? Our father wants us to make our request known to him. That is, in fact, the point. Our father wants us to constantly be expressing our dependence on him not trying to do things on our own. And he wants there to be a faith-filled expectation of him as we look to him to deliver in ways that only he can deliver, to come through for us in ways that only he can come through. God wants us to go to him with what we need and to depend on him for what we need. And if you're doubting this, (laughs) if you're doubting that, well, what, what if I don't get the answer that I need? 
then what do I do? Well, well, the answer is to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep knocking. In another passage, Luke 18, 1 through 8, Jesus changes the, the metaphor on us. I'm going to read Luke 18, 1 through 8, and and he changes the metaphor away from the perspective of focusing on God as the benevolent father jealously protecting his children. And, and he focuses on this character, the persistent widow. And he told them a parable, the scripture says, to the effect, to the, I love it when, when scripture summarizes, Here, here's the point, okay? Let me just give you the point at the start so you don't have to wonder what the point is. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. That's the point. Always pray, never losing heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will, will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Always praying and never giving up. That's who we're called to be. There, there have been times when this passage is... And these two passages that I've read today, some of the only things that I, I can think of when, when I'm discouraged in prayer, when I'm starting to believe the lie that it's not worth it to keep praying. You know, Scripture says pray without ceasing. That's not always at the forefront of my mind. Sometimes it's this, this picture of a persistent widow who just won't stop asking is the, the reminder I, I need of what, what I should be like, doggedly stubborn in prayer. Sometimes when, when you're just searching for the words to say, you don't, you don't feel like repeating the same request over again. Maybe, you, you, have you ever been there where you just lack the energy to even formulate a coherent prayer? You don't want to you don't want to have to think about how you should even make this request known again. Sometimes it's discouraging to hear the words coming out of your mouth again for the umpteenth time. And, and all you could do is say, Lord, I'm, Lord, I'm here. I'm, I'm here again. And you know why I'm here? Because you've heard this many times. Hey, look, if that's all you can muster, does, does that count? Does that count as faith? Let's judge my attitude here. Does it count as faith to just go to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I'm here, and you know why? What do you think of that attitude? Consider that Jesus wasn't afraid to present as an example a woman who finally got what she was after, not because she persuaded the judge with the power of her argument, 
but because she wore him down, was so persistent that he finally gave in because she thought he might attack him. Well, what was Jesus after in that example? Why did he present that example to the disciples? Think of what is in the heart of God for us and in our relationship with him as, as we interact with these, these two portrayals of, a, of an evil judge who eventually gives in to avoid being attacked just because he was worn down. And even earthly fathers who are evil having the back of their kin. The heart of God for us in this is that we would be expectant. That we would begin to interact with God in a way that we know how to interact with these other scenarios. We would press into him. We'd start to call on him. We'd start to ask the favors. We'd, we'd allow hope to arise in our hearts that if a judge who is evil doesn't even care about God will do the right thing just because he's afraid of this annoying woman attacking him. If he doesn't give her what he wants, how, how much more will God give justice to those he has elected who are crying out day and night? God will hear and will provide aid to those who cry out to him. God will answer those who are not afraid to persistently bug him with things. And their request, this is to combat the lie that Satan tries to tell us that it's been too long, that you haven't had an answer. God would have responded if he cared. Don't ever stop asking God. Because if your prayers persist longer than the self-interest of an evil judge... You will win. You will prevail upon him. People who relentlessly and at times with annoying persistence and stubborn refusal to stop asking and believing will eventually have that expression of faith rewarded by finally receiving an answer from their God who has promised, I'm not going to put you off forever. So yes, I believe Although the attitude expressed may not have been perfect, there is faith in that going to the Lord, saying, Lord, I'm here and you know why, because I've been here before. This is the faith of the persistent widow. And this is the faith that Jesus says the son of man will be looking for when he returns to earth. When the son of man returns, will he find this faith in the earth is how Jesus wrapped up the story of the persistent widow. When the son of man returns, he is going to rush towards those who have never stopped praying. He is going to rush to those who are still calling out, even though he tarried for a long time, who have still been persistently praying prayers that he has heard from heaven and knows exactly where to find those people. This is the faith that the son of man will be looking for in the earth when he returns. You know, there, there's a struggle that we have of wanting to give up praying for certain things. I've, this is fresh for me as I've kind of been in the last, you know, year or so believing God for certain things. And 
I don't know if you can relate to, to being angry at God for making you wait on those things, feeling trapped in an endless cycle or in a rut, as it were. I think that's a good apt analogy. Sometimes you just feel like you're, you're in a rut, and how, how do I get out of this rut? There's voicing, voicing complaints to the Lord, at times requesting things of him properly, other times more accusations of him. And part of how God has met me in the rut is by reminding me of these three words, ask, seek, knock, ask, seek, knock, be, be the persistent widow. Don't give up. I remember sitting in my car one afternoon and a song by Toby Mac came on called help is on the way. It was a song I had heard before, but I'd never, sometimes you hear a song in a different way based on where you're at. And through the progression of the song, it was, it was as if God was kind of lay, laying my life bare in front of me in a series of increasingly overwhelming realizations. If you've never heard the song, it, it's not one of those songs that has like a soaring melody, spoken, rhythmic, half, half spoken, half sung. But what gripped me were the words. You know, so the words, it may be midnight or midday. It's never early never late. As, as I heard that, I, God was reminding me that I was wrong to question his timing. That even though I felt that his answers to my prayer are way too late, <laughs> there's a reason for the delay. And that idea that God is never early. First thing I thought is, well, yeah, no kidding. Of course you're never early. But what would happen if God showed up early to something? Only he is sovereign. Only he knows the reasons why he hasn't answered yet. Only God knows why, if he would have answered, it would have been too early. And it would have been less than his perfect plan. Why did God wait around? Why did God let his people wander in the wilderness? Why was there extended centuries in between the testaments before Jesus came. in the fullness of time Jesus didn't show up too early he showed up at exactly the right time God, God's never anxious God never prematurely reacts because he's afraid of something if he doesn't act something bad's going to happen he never jumps the gun even though there's times I, I want him to God can I can I see some action here he's never too late so I just need to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, knowing that the door will be open to me. I will hear that crack of the creaking door at exactly the right time. And so the moment I was affected by that phrase, midnight or midday, never early, never late, I heard the line, some people face a lifetime of falling tears, but God is in the darkness. He is in the cold. And just like the morning, he always shows. These lines then kept repeating, help is on the way, help is on the way again and again, help is on the way. Like that persistent widow, God will not delay the answer forever. Help is on the way, coming around the corner as God has given us eyes of faith to see the faith of the persistent widow, to see the son of man coming to respond to him with the faith that the son of man is looking for when he comes. And I remember being moved from being on the verge of tears to actually tears 
when I heard the lines, I've seen my share of trouble, but the Lord ain't failed me yet. We'll keep holding on to the promise, y'all, that he's rolling up his sleeves again. And when I heard those lines, that picture of God rolling up his sleeves, I just remember being overcome with a belief beyond what my eyes could see that somewhere in some place that I've never been and can't see that, that God was beginning to move, that God was beginning to stand, that God was beginning to stretch muscles. He has an exercise in circumstances that he's temporarily left unchanged, but not for long because it was now that it was his time to get some things done. Look, people don't roll up their sleeves so that they can think about doing something. People don't roll up their sleeves so that they can talk about doing something. People don't roll up their sleeves because they still need some convincing to do something. People roll up their sleeves because they're either going to get dirty or they're going to punch somebody. And you know what? I don't care what it is that the Lord's going to do. I just want him to do something. If your earthly fathers know how to protect their own, If your earthly fathers can roll up their sleeves and do the work that's necessary to fight and defend their own families, then you can bet that at the right time, your heavenly father will come in and clean house if needed. Your heavenly father will roll up his sleeves and get the work done that we are needing him to do by the power of the Holy Spirit, whom the father loves to give to those who ask. May this Be so in our day. May God come. May God roll up his sleeves. May he answer unanswered prayers. May he heal unhealed sicknesses. May the lost cry out upon the name of the Lord for salvation as the glory of the gospel shines in our land. As God breaks down every wall, every opposition to the advancement of the gospel with his bare arms. This is what we are asking for. This is what we are seeking. This is the door on which we are knocking. So my question is, how how do you interact with these two analogies? How do you interact with that idea of the, the jealously protective father who will be there for his kin? How do you interact with that example of a widow who just wore the judge down, finally getting what she wanted? We should be persistent in prayer. We should never stop asking him for things. And and we ask in closing because of who we know that he is. We can ask with such certainty because we know that his willingness to answer is not based on the qualification of the person asking. It's based on the promise and goodness of the God that we're asking. And we're asking because we know not only the person we're talking to, but we know that he has all of the resources of heaven at his disposal, freely willing to give them to us as we ask him. So what, what situation could you possibly look at and say, 
that even if you had all the resources of heaven, it still wouldn't be enough. Well, what situations have, have you faced this week where you could use some of those resources of heaven? What, what challenges lie ahead of you this week? Jesus is telling us that we don't have because we don't ask. If you're, it's your marriage on the rocks. There are resources for that. If you're struggling to make ends meet financially. There's resources for that. If you're sick, there's resources for that. If you lack wisdom, well, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God and what God will give it to him in abundance. We should be the asking ones who are the finding ones, seeking ones and knocking ones to whom the door is opened. The persistent widow wasn't commended because she was asking the right way. She was commended because she was persistent in her asking. And she's an example for us all to follow. Let's pray. We come before you today to draw near to someone whose idea it was that we should come to you. Lord, our coming to you is your invitation, your idea. We're not coming to you as those who need to convince you of something. We're coming to you as an act of obedience and faith to demonstrate the faith you are looking for, the faith that your heart responds to. And so, Lord, we lay our requests down. You know them. You've heard our voices before. You gave us the voices in the first place. You put these desires on our heart. So we come to you as that father. We're your kids. We need you to work. To do what only you can do that we don't have the strength to do. To act on our behalf. To speak up for us where we don't have the voices to speak up. To work where we don't have the strength Lord, would you, would you just glorify yourself in our midst? Would you just make your name great? And give us testimonies to share with future generations of what you have done. This is what we ask. This is what we seek. This is why we knock. 